Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Welcome, everyone. I'm Steve Clear. Thanks for joining us at another Next Level Brands Podcast. Our show today is brought to you by the Next Level Brands CPG community a merger of the experience of Next Level Marketing and the educational resources of Kitchen to Shelf, the Next Level Brands community brings together CPG entrepreneurs in all stages of growth. They provide knowledge, training, courses, and networking, not only with fellow entrepreneurs, but also key partners within the industry, including packaging, finance, and e-commerce. More details are available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Well, folks, we have a very exciting show today. I'm being joined by Natasha Davis, who's also affectionately known as the Chief of Visionary. Now, Natasha is also a registered nurse. In fact, she practiced emergency and trauma nursing for over 12 years prior to emerging as a brand strategist and corporate trainer in 2007. She holds a master's in business, a certification in marketing, and is the CEO and founder of Impact Branding Consulting, and also the CRM software platform, the Profit Enhancer Analysis. Natasha specializes in the positioning companies to perform in alignment with the vision of their leaders. Natasha has published three books focused on business development and branding and has been recognized by President Barack Obama, the Lifetime Achievement Award. She believes that every business owner should think big, build momentum, and scale fast. So you are very welcome to the show, Natasha. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. It's an honor to be here. And I am excited to talk about some next level brand strategy. <laughs> and, and absolutely. I just, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we're we're very in our work, we're very focused on that. We work with mm-hmm. people trying to focus on that. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the things that that really helps with people who are out there trying to grow businesses is to understand how other people got to where they are and why they're doing what they're doing. So the first thing, of course, that crops up when, you know, going through, you know, your, your CV is, is you're a registered nurse, you're a practicing nurse, you were doing mm-hmm. this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. How did that evolve itself in, into business, business management and, and business consulting? You know, I, when I get that question, I always get tickled by it. Cause I'm like, yeah, that was an interesting journey um, for me. It's like, oh yeah, that's just what I did. But when you talk, when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that was an interesting journey. So making the shift, uh, definitely registered nurse, very proud of that. And I practiced as a bedside registered nurse in the emergency room for many, many years. However, I got bit by that entrepreneurship bug and I couldn't shake it. I thought it was a little phase. It was a thing. And then I realized this is not a thing. This is something really, uh, really serious. Right. And so I paid more attention to what I was doing. And I started to just my interest for how does this hospital actually work? You know, what, what makes this, this engine, right? This beast work, right. You know, from the ground up and all the systems and the processes and things that, you know, didn't go right and things that did go right. And then I just really sunk my teeth into that because I wanted to understand how does a company really move? How does it grow? What are the the parts? It wasn't so much about the colors and the logo to me. I was really focused on the meat of it. And um, I would even go, I find myself going into certain, like some restaurants or businesses and you go into one and it's, it's, it's moving and shaking and you go into another one and it's not moving and shaking. And you're thinking, 
how in the world is this happening? What, what did that business do that that business didn't do? And how come they're not moving at the same speed? How come they don't have the same result? And so that's where I started my interest and my attention to branding really just took off. I was always a part of business. I come from an entrepreneurial back, uh, family background. My father, my grandmother, my aunts, uncles. Um, I, I come from a, my brothers, a very long line and, and deep, rich roots of entrepreneurship. So I wasn't, you know, aloof to it. I was very aware of it. Um, and so therefore, once I got bit by that bug, I realized, hold on a minute. I think my destiny has shifted. You know, <laughs> my destiny has shifted and I did fight it for many years, but that's really what took place. I was interested into about the inner workings of a business and what truly makes a business work. I wasn't so concerned about the front of it or the face of it. I wanted to lift the hood and get in the engine. I wanted to see the parts. I want to see the nuts and bolts. How does a company churn? And that's where um, everything just pretty much took off. And you know, the, the, the funny thing is that there are, um, even in larger businesses, right, there mm-hmm. is this leadership, you know, I'll call it a culture for lack of, a, a, I can't think of a, a better word right at the moment, sure. but, but a leadership culture and that they mm-hmm. do sim, uh, companies with similar assets, similar categories mm-hmm. or whatever that I've worked with, you've worked with, whatever, very different. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, you guys are both doing, you know, 50 million a year. Shouldn't you kind of have some type of similarity or whatever? And maybe one of them mm-hmm. is, you know, 50 headed for 150 million and the other one is 50 headed for 20. Right. right. So, right. But, but exactly. at that, that point in time, what did you, you know, in terms of hypothesis, what did you, um, you know, obviously you went back to school, right. And got an mm-hmm. MBA. So what was your hypothesis as to what makes, you know, the engine run? So here's where my hypothesis came in. I call it the chiefology, right? So here's what I realized, that there were some companies that actually took their infrastructure and the architecture of their company seriously, and they paid more attention to that than others. The the companies that paid more attention to looking like they got it together, having the the gorgeous colors, the schematics, the the beautiful office with the skyline and all that stuff, the ones that look like it, they they didn't put that much attention on the actual architecture, the infrastructure, what's holding this house up. Um, Hence, you know, we can all relate to this, right? Look at the look at the economic shift that we have all transitioned through over the past almost 24 months. Right. Yep. Look at the companies that went under math. And I'm not even talking about small businesses. Let's forget about small businesses. Let's talk about well-known large company brands, household name brands, the big guys, the yeah. big boys, right? The yep. big boys. Look at the companies that went under and you yep. sit back and you say, you're big millions of dollars. How could you not survive six months of a, of, a, of a little bit of a, you know, economic crisis. How is that possible? Because they never paid attention to the architecture, the infrastructure, the foundations. They were only focused on the outward appearance. And that's what I realized. That's what I found. Where, where, where was that contingency plan, you know? For, right. Yeah. And it, it was, and within the industries, every industry was, you know, touched. Um, service industries, packaged goods mm. industries. Oh yeah. Uh, all of them. And and some of them just, you know, again, you know, left us. Some of them shifted, 
some, you know, mm-hmm. um, some even, you know, even pivoted. Um, yes. But, you know, how that got handled and you're right to the core of, of, of what you were, you know, what you were doing. Very, very important. So is, is the idea then to, I, I guess it goes back to, um, I'll take an example real quick of a company that I worked for years ago that was a, a, a client of the agency I was working at. And it was Honda of America, which makes, of course, cars and motorcycles and ATVs and power equipment. Yes. Um, Honda had a distinctive culture. It had a distinctive culture uh, for a Japanese company. It created a distinctive culture within the U.S. They were very different from Yamaha, mm. Kawasaki, or Toyota. Very different. And because uh, Sarisho Honda, the founder in Japan, was a rebel, and he was outcast by industry in Japan because he would not fit the mold of what, what wanted to happen. So when he came to the United right. States, it was very easy for him to, uh, you know, grow a culture of their own. But as an agency working for them as a service person, we got steeped in that culture, right? Yeah. And yeah. and those of us who worked on that brand became as emphatic ambassadors of that brand as any people you would want to meet. Of course, of course. Right. And, and mm-hmm. everything was um, number, number one was quality. Right. Um, in terms of transparency and honesty was like number two. So if you didn't think that was the right color blue as an agency person, you could say so you were not going to be derided by your right. client. Right. And, and third was a longer term view of the world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they didn't have to worry about quarterly earnings. There were no, right. you know, there were no investor calls. Right. It it was when when they went into lawnmowers, they said, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is the plan for entering the lawnmower business. This is where we're going to be in three. This is the market share we want in three years. Three. That's unheard of in American mm-hmm. industry. What do you mean right. three years? Right. Well, they got there. They got there and more, of course. So that kind of ingrained attitude and whatever else, and that's something that that you're looking for in working with companies." That is exactly what we're looking for. Um, And so, for example, we start, I say that you have to brand from the inside out. And that's our methodology. That's our approach. We brand from the inside out. And oftentimes we we find companies that are doing it in the reverse, which is why they are feeling the pain that they're feeling or they're in they're having a delusional moment where they act like nothing's wrong and everything's perfect meanwhile the bank statements and the uh, the 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 mass exodus of people leaving um says different so we actually brand from the inside out um and two of the things we start at is we ask okay truly what is your mission and what is your vision and the larger i've found two ends of the spectrum right steve either they don't have one because they think they're not big enough. Right. Or they've gotten so big that the mission and vision is just fluffy words that are put on a piece of paper because it's supposed to be there because they're a large company. Then you have a small set in the middle that actually care about what the mission and vision is. And they've actually gone in and they've defined each and every word. That is what we do. If you said your mission is to be. uh, And so let me step back one. The mission is what you get up and do every single day for every customer. Right. That's the mission. The vision is what you want the customer to have once they've encountered you. So when we bring when we bring that level of clarity to the table, oftentimes I have clients said, "Okay, I get it now. So the, the way that mission and vision reads, that's not right. A lot of times companies will write their mission and vision focused on themselves. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, sure. I've seen them. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. We're, we're the premiere. We're the top whatever. Says who? And how does this affect the customer? And so therefore, we take the take the opportunity to step back and say, first of all, the mission is about what you get up and do every day for every single customer. And the vision is about what the customer will have once they've encountered you. They're either going to have something, possess something, or become something. That's the vision for the business here, for the company as it grows. And then we go in and we say, now the mission is to either offer, provide, create, or ensure something. You want to anchor these together. So that's the first place we start. So we clean that mess up all together because now it brings a different level of clarity. And then we actually microscopically examine each and every word to make sure it's what it's actually real. Because if the mission is what we get up and do every day, then that therefore gives us the ability to make the right decisions. Now we know what we're saying. Yes. And no to. Right. Does it pass this test? Does it pass the test? Exactly. And so therefore being able to step back in the next thing we couple, you know, we have a couple of different processes, but the next thing we look at is we call it our Eva. So we said, what's your Eva? And that is when your brand enters into the world, how does your brand make the market feel emotionally? How does the brand make the market feel from a visual perspective and also from an auditory perspective? So we said, well, let's check your Eva. Emotionally, what happens to the marketplace when they are exposed and um, they have to interact with your brand? Do they feel like you're coming to help or you're coming to hinder? Do you <laughs> frustrate them? Right. Do you make them happy? Are they what's going on there? Then we look at the visual side. When a, when a marketplace is visually exposed to your brand, what happens to them? What response is elicited? And so I like to say, for example, a lot of times, you know, we think about McDonald's and I make fun of it. And I say, you know, there's babies in the womb that do backflips for McDonald's. You know, <laughs> they're passing by. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the visual component. Right. And then the auditory. When someone hears the name of the company, what happens to them? Have you ever have you ever had an experience that just the name of a company alone, you're like, oh, my God, I can't deal with those people or you have or, oh, my gosh, those are, these guys are the best. That is we check in. We check your Eva. We check your Eva of the brand. And those things are really important. Now, that makes the difference between going through or I would say entering in and going through an economic crisis and still coming out with a viable business versus go entering in an economic crisis, but you never got out of it because your business closed. Right. Yeah. And, and it, very important. It, Natasha, where in the, I guess the evolution and, and maybe it's, maybe it's a size of, uh, you know, a gross sales or whatever, but where in the evolution of the company do you like to work? Do you think you make a big impact? You know, that is such a great question. Um, and I'm going to answer it in the most elementary way first, and then I'm going to dissect it a little bit further. Okay. <laughs> you know, the greatest impact we make is when the company realizes that um, we need help and they're willing to accept it. And I know that sounds very elementary, um, but I will unpack that. But true. Yeah. yeah, but it's very true. If a company knows that something's wrong, but they continue to turn a blind eye to it, 
they will never get the help that they need. This is where you'll see, you know, the, the effect of robbing Peter to pay Paul. They're moving money from one account to another or, yeah. you know, things like that. Or they're constantly launching new products or services to cushion a blow or hire new people and things like that. So when a company and so let me unpack that that whole statement. Right. So when a company does not have a documented growth strategy that they're operating from, that is t- that's when I work really well, because that means that all of the ideas and concepts are floating up in the air. It's in it's in everyone's head, but no one is actually following a roadmap. So therefore, there is no unified vision. And where we have no unified vision, that means that everyone enters into their own little independent silos and the company has chaotic performance. Right. So that's one. Here's another area where this is where I come in. When the company has no clearly documented systems or processes and they haven't had one updated ever or created. So therefore, we have what again? We have duplicity and waste. So. I the, I, the leader of the company say, hey, we're going to increase our um, our revenue by 10 percent or we're going to achieve to hit a 10 percent profit margin or we want to capture 20 percent more market share or wallet share um, or we're going to launch this new product and we're going to get this product from ground zero to break even in two years. Well, that's what I said. However, there was nothing outlined for all of us to be on the same page. It was just a really great idea. You motivated me. I was empowered. And then I took off. And but guess what? I went back to regular everyday things because you didn't give me anything to feast off on. Um, When day to day operations are super crazy, when people are feeling like they're on a human hamster wheel going, 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 but yet no one is going anywhere fast. That is a bit that is a huge time to bring in a brand strategist like myself, because now we're on the outside looking in. We we actually come in, my team and I come in to see the blind spots of the leader. If we can see the blind spots of the leader, then we can work everything out because a company's performance will plateau as soon as the, the leader no longer has, has a, a place to see their blind spots. And especially when the team doesn't have any guidance or structure, we just get up running around doing something every day, but we're not actually hitting margins and targets. We're making the same revenue every single year. Either we have no increase or we have little increase. And people get excited about a little increase because they think they're doing something. But when you track it back, they've spent more than they've actually made. So last year we spent more, <laughs> but no, who cares about that? We, we made, we made 10,000 more this year. Yes, but you spent 30,000 more. It's the problem. Right. It's, it's, um, it's funny because a lot of times uh, we now call this KPIs, right? Yeah. So key performance yeah. indicators. Key but performance you, indicators. you can, you know, you can jury rig your KPIs, <laughs> right? To come out with, and, and I, I, I've sat with, we didn't call them KPIs at that point, but they were basically the, you know, statistical indicators of the health of the company. Yeah. And, 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 and when one didn't look good, the guy that I was working with, he could change it around to a slightly mm-hmm. different definition until he got something that was going to look good to the president of the company. Now, oh, yeah. of course, president of the company should have, and probably did at some point was able to maybe see that, you know, that's really funny because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at our, our revenue and I'm looking at our profitability and there's something wrong, right? There's not, there's <laughs> the not two don't cor- match. Yeah. Not this correlation <laughs> that there should be. Yeah. But I think one of the issues that you get into and, and, you know, with when working with founders, um, you know, who were the original startup and they've grown the company to X amount or whatever. 
they also begin to plateau. Um, mm-hmm. In many cases, uh, it, it's either the vision has maybe kind of already mm-hmm. occurred, like they've mm-hmm. grown the company to a size that they probably never thought they were going to, but there it is, right? It's, mm-hmm. we're, we're there, but oh my God, what do I do next? Right. Or there's that aspect of the traits that got them through the startup and the founding and the emergence of the brand are not traits that are going to carry that brand forward. Exactly. Exactly. Well, something I want to mention um, and also just piggyback with you, you you make such a really great point. A lot of companies, like you said, during the KPIs, one of the ways we um, mitigate that is we build KPIs off of KPQs. There's no KPI that comes to the table that doesn't have a KPQ that created that KPI. I always say, where did that KPI come from? So the key performance question is what is supposed to build or create the KPI. So when we have a KPI and I don't have a KPQ, I always say, well, where did this come from? How how did you know that this was a something that needed to be addressed? Where did this come from? That's where I get ahead of people jerry-rigging, making stuff up to make it look good, you know, because we got to We have to give some kind of report. <laughs> so I got to give something and let me clean or fudge the numbers a bit. I remember I had a, a client and um, I was meeting with the, the leaders, of course, the executive board, and, and the numbers were crazy. The business was acting crazy, one performing right. Nobody could put their finger on what's wrong. They just knew something was wrong. Um, but the business was still churning. Money was coming in, but money was also going out. And I remember sitting down and we did a uh, an audit. We did an audit of the finances and we did an audit of the presumed <laughs> strategic plan that, that they had that hasn't been touched or followed um, in a, in for three years prior to. And um, <laughs> during our audit, um, one of the things we found is that the accountant department was siphoning off anywhere from 70 to $80,000 easy. Nobody knew. Just it was moving stuff around. And so when financial reports came to the table, it was like you said, jerry rigged. It was it didn't make sense. And they would make new numbers, new metrics. And then but everybody, nobody was following anything. And so when I said, OK, here's what we're going to do. We're going to develop a KPI cultured business. And I broke it down what it means. We link KPIs to the strategic plan and daily operations. And we then develop new, the new KPIs. But we I started with KPQs. Remember this, right? KPQs is what we use to create and improve. KPIs is what we use to verify and validate. So if we have KPIs without a KPQ, what are we verifying and validating if we didn't create anything that needs to be improved? Right. Measurement in itself means nothing. It's just right. measurement. Is it accurate or inaccurate? But what's it, what does that mean? And then What does you know, that mean? Right. Yeah. I like to get into it. I like to get really, and I love to, I like to, you know, peel the layers of the, as they say, peel (laughs) the layers of the onion back. And sometimes it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because as I'm peeling the layers, I'm finding rot, more rot, a little bit more rotting. And then it's so it's hurtful because I have to really share with the leader. Okay. I know what you thought, but this is what this is. So we can, we can stop this. We, we can save this. Um, There, there was only one in the past uh, 10 years, there was only one company where I said, I can't help you. I cannot save you. The company was so far gone, so far gone. And it was so bad. I said, you know something, the amount of work and money you're going to have to put in to fix this. I don't recommend you do that. I would recommend you hit the reset button, start 
with a clean slate. The business yeah. was so far gone. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. Broke my heart. And, and, and yeah. And, and believe me, I can sympathize. Um, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not fun when you're working with those kind of things and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and people in some cases uh, were, you know, smaller companies, whatever we're talking about, you know, it's been friends and family that have helped to bootstrap the thing. And yeah. Like, oh my God, what are we, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. yeah. But um, so Natasha, talk a little bit, if, if you would, I'm, I'm, I'm envious of the fact that you're an author. Um, yes. Talk a little bit about the books and uh, kind of how you came about doing it and kind of where, where they serve people if they want to read them. Absolutely. So um, any, anyone that wants to see a copy of my books or get them, you can actually go to NatashaDavisVisionary.com. That's NatashaDavisVisionary.com. And you can go poke around, learn more about me and see the publications that I've released. The first book uh, is Get Grounded, Stay Grounded. And that was my first book that I wrote. And I like my it. my purpose for that book was more of an inner uh, an inner evaluation of self, because as I was shifting and that got published in 2009, as I was shifting from the place of being um, an employee to being an employer, I had to find my way. I had to redetermine the reality of life hit me because now I started learning, oh, wait a second. Those people who said they're your friend are really not your friend. <laughs> you know, right. the reality yep. of the real thing that showed up. And also I had to actually understand who I was, who I was. So get grounded, stay grounded is more about the personal inward look of shifting from being the employee, shifting from being who you thought you were and becoming into coming into the place of knowing yourself knowing who you are so that you can be extremely successful in everything that gets done. Absolutely. My second book, Be Unleashed, and that one is Unleash Your Millionaire Mindset and Build Your Brand. This book, yeah, this was my power book here. This was my book, um, published this in 2016. And this was the evolution of the, the chief visionary you see today and onward. Um, in 2015, my life took a massive change, a massive turn, one that was I did not see coming. And I really found myself sitting at the edge of restoration and I had to get a seat at the table so I could recover. And once I really got myself together, I, I realized at that point, in order for me to go from point A to point B, I had to be unleashed. I had to totally be unleashed. I had to unleash my thinking. I had to unleash myself. I had to tap into my greatness and really take it to the next level. And that is where I collaborated with five other business owners who knew what it took to go from ground zero because I had hit rock bottom. And I talk about it in my book, how to go from ground zero to your first million and what that really looked like and what did it feel like? Because in order to get there, you did have to unleash. You had to be unleashed. And so I go through the realistic process of it. I'm not a fluffy writer, right? I, I write like as if we're sitting here and we're talking. So a lot yeah. of times people are like, oh my God, I felt like you were sitting right next to me talking to me. I'm like, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that's good stuff. That's what we were looking for. That's how so it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's that's how it's supposed to be. And so I go through um this the many different phases of um business and the truth and the myths of things and what it looks like and what it feels like to be a brand and the different things you have to do to become a brand and the reality of it as well. I also talk about systems and processes and I do um educate my readers on the process of Eva as well and Be Unleashed. 
Right. Um, and now my third baby that came to life, um, <laughs> 25 valuable golden nuggets to start, stabilize and scale any business was published this year, 2021. And that was the one that I said, wow, look at the life that we came out of. See, because it, oh my goodness, what we went through in 2020 was no joke. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody, every business, every industry, every person from this entire world felt the, the hit in 2020. And when I sat there and I said to, and I, and I sat there and I tapped into the universe, I said, you know something, I want something. I want to, I want to transfer knowledge from one business owner to another. And those that said, you know, some people when 2020 came, they had just started their business. Some people were in the middle of, 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 of shifting, like, Hey, we're, we're on, we're on the way up. We're on the way up. And then boom, they got hit. And then I took it to the final stage with scaling. We can all scale our business and we can all scale as, as business owners. There's a matter of how, and I remember I had asked several other business owners in a text message, about 15 business owners in a text message, it was on a Sunday. And I said, Hey, listen, if you, what do you wish you knew? Like, what do you wish you knew when you started business that so that you could be more successful? Like, what do you wish you knew? And my goodness, it from, from six o'clock that evening till about five <laughs> o'clock the morning, my phone was going off. It was like, every time I turned around and some people were texting me multiple times because they would think of something. So I said to myself, there's something to this thing here. So I went in and I, I, I wrote down 25 valuable golden nuggets. And the book is really about, it has 25 valuable golden nuggets. There's no chapters in this book because it has 25 specific things <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that says, this is what it looks like when you start, when you stabilize, when you scale. And, and I cover a plethora of things. I even, I even um, dissect the journey, the progressive journey of entrepreneurship. We all go through a journey of entrepreneurship, even if it meant that we had to reset and start over. We all start as a solopreneur. We all end up being a co-creator. And then eventually the goal is that we become business owners and then CEOs. After CEO, the only next place is to be an enterprise. And so I, I, you know, really, right. And so I explore and, and I go through each of those stages, the progressive journey of entrepreneurship so that people understand. I talk about systems and leadership and intentional planning. I even talk about funding. A lot of times people ask me, well, you know, and here's, here's what I'll say, right, Steve, um, I remember when I started my first business, uh, impact branding is my third company. Um, and I remember starting my first business and, and I got to my second business. And by the time I, I got through my first and got into my second, I remember I said to my father, who's my mentor, uh, may he rest in peace. He said, I said to him, I said, I'm going to go borrow some money. Um, you know, I bought, no, actually I borrowed the money already. Right. Cause you know, that's how it is. You tell them after you did the thing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Exactly. So I, I told him after things, I borrowed this money and I borrowed about $20,000 uh, to, and I'm doing air quotes, start my business. However, guess what I didn't have? I never told every dollar of that 20000 what it was supposed to do. That $20,000, poof, it did oh. not do much of anything. And so- not a very was, long runway there. It sure wasn't. It sure <laughs> wasn't. And so, uh, so I remember I told him I borrowed the money and he says, why would you do that? He says, don't you have a product? I said, yes. He goes, then you need to sell the product. 
He says, you don't borrow money to operate the business. You sell the products and service to operate the business. And I was like, I wish I would have asked him before that because I had to pay that money back. Hello. Of course. course. (laughs) So I do. I dissect all of that. So that's that. And like I said, everybody can get that off of NatashaDavisVisionary.com. You can check them all out. We we will absolutely do that. Yeah, it's it's really funny and 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 ironic too that um, in the in the agency world, um, I had three agencies, and it, mm-hmm. and 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 the the first one was kind of a draw. Um, yeah, I, I left my partners to go to Europe to pursue an, a, a completely different passion, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and then I came back and I said, well, you know, I've done this once, I can do it again, no problem, oh and, and I did it, and, and credit cards and the whole ARs, and it just went, you know, <laughs> augering right into the ground in about a year and a half. And it was just, right, it was right. awful. But right. the lessons learned from that experience, mm. when I opened the third one, I didn't make those mistakes. Yes. And, and, and that I sold my portion of that business after 23 years. So, wow. you know, uh, yeah. So that, you know, that, that, that works. The mm-hmm. interesting thing about I think one of the things that where you and I, you know, have maybe a, a a unique kind of perspective is we've worked with a lot of different companies in change, right? And you and we know that's not easy. Oh my God, right? It's, no, it's not. <laughs> you no, know, this not. is not. You know, you are viewed with suspicion, assume, mm-hmm. you know, by anybody working in their position or whatever else, because what are you doing here? Exactly. And how are you, how are you going to fix this? You're just here to take yeah. our money. You're yeah, just here you don't to know take our about money. My business. <laughs> you don't know, you know, right? And, 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 and I got accused of that one time and the, and the, the president of the, of the company said, don't worry about it. He goes, that's why you're here. Yes. Because yes. you don't know anything about it. He said, I, I need, first and foremost, I need objectivity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have any silos to protect. Your career right. is not going to end because of the analysis you do. Exactly. Said, I, I, I need honesty. I need somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, doesn't have to worry about golfing with me next week <laughs> if they give me the bad news. Right. And, and, and then the other two things, which I didn't had not thought about up to that point, I sold on the first two points was budget. He goes, because if I did this internally, it would actually cost me a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And th- that was a great deal. Like they find, yeah. they like, find out yeah. yeah, your, your fees. Yeah. Okay. Great here. And, and the last one was timing. Mm-hmm. He said, you will deliver it to me when we agree you're going to deliver it. It's going to be way faster than I could ever get it done in here. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes a difference. There's actually an article that um, and some information I wrote on our website, our company website that speaks to that, because I've, I've gotten that question a lot of times. It says, you know, well, what is corporate branding from a strategic standpoint? Yeah. And then also why? that? Why do I need a brand in person? Why do I need a consultant? And there's actually some information I shared, research-based information I shared, why a company needs branding and why they need a consultant, because these are the things that happens. Keeping something in-house like that will cost way more money. Why? Because you're asking your employees to stop doing what they're paid to do to step out and come on a high level strategic viewpoint right. and right. think about the company's best interests. That's not going to happen. It does not happen. And so, yeah, I love, I love. Yeah. How, and if they're the designer um, of widgets, if that. that's what they do, then the day that you yeah. ask them to look at these new things, they're not designing widgets now. Mm-hmm. Right. No, so, they're, they're not the designing widgets at all. Oh. And Natasha, <laughs> is that's on the, that's on the impact branding consulting website. Yep. Impactbrandingconsulting.org. That is on there. And there is a lot of great information I share, especially with people that are on the fence. They don't know what they don't know. Right. And they're like, I got to find some kind of information. We put a lot of research back 
and based information on the site. So when you go over there, um, you can pick a course service of interest and you'll see we write a lot of great information there so that persons can understand our industry, our niche market, our professional service providers. We also work with healthcare organizations um, and transportation and logistics. That's our sweet spot. We do a lot of work with others, uh, but also that is our niche. This is our niche area. So we do write a lot of information about those particular industries as well. Transportation and logistics. You must be having some fun days. Oh, yes, 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 yes. There's a lot of fun days. Um, You know, here's the funny thing that happened in transportation and logistics after coming out of 2020. The demand jumped. However, efficiency plummeted and these companies did not understand what it looked like to achieve economies of scale. Didn't know what that looked like and couldn't accomplish it. And so therefore, companies were literally, no pun intended, running on fumes. And, yeah. and, and I've had actually a um, a client who dealing with some issues and he calls up and he says, hey, you know, I got to postpone our meeting. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. What, what's the problem? What's going on? He goes, so I just got a note from my packaging supplier uh, in China mm-hmm. um, and uh, they've extended their 20 week lead time mm-hmm. on packaging mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. 40 mm-hmm. weeks. That's four zero zero. Yeah, and he goes. How the hell do I know where I'm going to be in 40 weeks? You know, you, <laughs> Does want, anybody? Me to, you want me to order packaging? Yeah, <laughs> right? 40 wow. weeks. I was absolutely flabbergasted. Absolutely. Flabbergasted. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. Definitely have to look at looking at all that. Um, the supply chain management, how do we achieve economies of scale? That is that is what strategic planning is. That's what brand strategy is. That's what we do, um, helping other companies to accomplish that. Most companies, when they hear branding, all they think of is what? Logos, websites, social media, marketing. Yep. Yep. And that is the furthest thing from the truth because branding has two sides. Branding has a strategic side and it has a marketing side or a creative side, right? The yep. creative side gets all the attention because it's super sexy. Super sexy. It's easy to. But when you have to talk about the strategic side, they're like, oh, well, if we just put up a new logo, let's just get a new website. It'll yeah. be fun. Let's get some new colors. How about we do colors? It's like, no, stop it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. It's every every brand manager when they go to work on a product wants to change the packaging. Exactly. It's like because it's the first say, well, wait, let, let's let the packaging may not be the issue here. OK, let's, it may very well let's not just be see, exactly. you know, somebody tested this stuff a while ago. And, you know, that's how we got to the packaging we have today. Um, Natasha, let me also ask you in the, in the realm of consultants and the Mm -hmm. consulting business and advising business and and coaching business for that matter. Um, uh, and, and, and there's obviously some things that you're doing and, uh, you have developed the, some software that works with that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, I found that there was a huge pain point for consultants, consultants that needed to understand their clientele, their prospect as well. And there was also a gap in prospecting with greater precision, right? That was a big deal. And so as a fellow consultant, I realized that this was an an area of concern in the consulting industry. So I developed a cloud-based predictive model software. It is a CRM tool for consultants to use. Not only does it help consultants to streamline their 
systems, their processes, the management of customers, but it also helps them to prospect with greater precision. And so the software um, is called the Profit Enhancer Analysis. And um, those that are interested in learning how to, um, what it is, just go to ProfitEnhancerAnalysis.com. That's ProfitEnhancerAnalysis.com. Awesome. That is really great. Well, really enjoyed talking with you today. And if I can, uh, afterwards, sometime I'm going to have to talk to you about getting a book done. Ah, yes, yes. I haven't had the discipline to figure it out. And you've got three of them and that's just not fair. So we we need to do that and uh, we'll catch up on on what's going on. Um, Natasha, one of the things that we do for for the audience is we try to get our, our guests to uh, fellow entrepreneurs, and that's our audience is fellow entrepreneurs, um, to encapsulate some some wisdom, some advice, some counsel they'd like to leave with um, with them. And uh, do you have anything you can you can share with us? Oh yeah, definitely. So one of the things I could say is um, taking the opportunity to one be intentional with everything that is being done and not be ashamed to be intentional, be laser focused, not even laser, be hyper, hyper laser focused about what you're doing and be so intentional. And in business as, as leaders, and and because we are, we are right at the cusp of being in fight or flight mode all the time, we have to learn how to respect the pause, respect the pause, respect the quiet, respect the moment, respect the pause, because that, is what helps us to get sharper. That's what refines us. We can just be intentional with that hyper laser focused view and also respect the pause. That is the wisdom and the recommendation I would leave with a fellow business owner. That's really great advice. Yeah, absolutely. Natasha, thank you so much for being with us today and taking the time. I know you're busy, um, but also let's do this again down the road a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks to all the rest of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, part of the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be a part of the Next Level Brands community. Education, resources, workshops, founder coaching, and networking. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.